Welcome to What's Left, a weekly political discussion challenging mainstream left. We are online at what-s-left.webnode.com. You can find the link to our blog in the episode notes. Uh, please subscribe, rate, review, turn on the, your notifications, share your favorite episode, and jot down our information wherever you found this episode um, in case censors get to us. Uh, my name is Andy Lipson. Um, I'm a socialist and teacher, and you'll notice today we are joined by two special guests. Eduardo's not here. Uh, he's traveling. Kenny's not here. He's traveling. Um, but we're joined by frequent contributors and frequent guests to What's Left, uh, Jessica and John Kleisick, and who I sometimes call Jake. So welcome, you two. Thank you. And um, Jessica uh, teaches English literature uh, and writing and environmental humanities at a university level in Pacific Northwest. She's been teaching college students for eight years and holds a PhD in English. And she is a long time, a long time animal rights and environmental activist. Uh, and John Kleisick is the author of School Word Order, Technocratic Globalization of, Corporat of Corporatized Education, uh, put out by Trying Day Books, and is a frequent contributor to Unlimited Hangout. And I'm really glad to have you both here. Happy to be here. So um, when I contacted you both uh, saying, help me, I, I don't have anybody to do an episode of what's left with. Um, I thought, particularly after Jessica, after you agreed, um, I know that you and I have gone through a lot of changes over the last several months, actually. And, and Jake, I haven't had a chance really to talk to you in detail about some of the changes maybe you've gone through, really in relationship to all this anti-mandate stuff and the impact of mandates. Um, so all these things have actually had direct impact on all our lives. And I thought now would be a good time to kind of talk about it. Um, and uh, I think we'll be having a few episodes with both of you possibly in the next few weeks. Um, and I think it would be a good way to catch up and a good way to talk to our audience who's been going through this anti-mandate stuff with us. Um, so um, really, I think it's going to be a little bit of story time about how have the mandates and the impact of those mandates affected your life directly and affected, you know, in terms of how your feelings are. And for me, it's even affected the holidays. Um, so I want to talk about today, that today. So maybe Jessica, we'll start with you. Cause I feel like you've had some of the biggest changes in the, in the last time we talked to you, when we did an interview, you were teaching at, uh, at a school in Washington and stuff like that. Um, and so maybe you can kind of give us an update on what's happened with you in terms of some of the changes that have happened for you in your life. Sure. Yeah. So where to begin? I mean, I guess just to summarize like big picture, I decided to leave Seattle uh, pretty recently, just in the past couple months. Um, not directly because of all the COVID nonsense, but you know, all of this is of a piece and it's definitely been a major factor I was offered a, a job uh, as a professor down in Oregon on the eastern side and in much more rural Oregon, like almost um, almost Idaho. And I, I mean, I, I took the job because I needed, <laughs> needed a paycheck and was kind of ready to move on to something else. I had, you know, recently finished my PhD and on top of that was getting extremely frustrated and claustrophobic almost in Seattle. I had been there eight years and I mean, it's, 
in some ways a, a wonderful place and I enjoyed my time there for the most part. But even before COVID, I was starting to get pretty frustrated. It just was growing more and more expensive, more and more corporate. And yeah, I mean, it just kind of was the end of one chapter in my both my professional and, and personal life. And um, so I decided to come down here, but it's been a really ex- interesting experience, you know, just in light of all of the political changes and public health measures. Of course, Oregon is very similar to Washington and really, you know, both of the coasts, just in terms of the policy, you know, choices, mandates, stuff like that. But it's a very different culture when you're in a rural area. I'm in an area that's much, much, much more conservative. And so it's been interesting to kind of witness the cultural changes and also just personally, I mean, I've gone through a lot of changes in my own relationships, community activism, like the type of activism I was doing, you know, as you mentioned in your intro, pretty much all of my activism for the past five or so years has been focused around animal rights and environmentalism. Um, But, you know, once COVID hit, I I got pretty heavily involved in the resistance sort of scene there. I, I lost the majority of my friends and relationships in my life, as I know, you know, I'm sure a lot of your listeners can relate and, and all of us have kind of been going through changes, I think, in terms of the, the community that we're a part of. And so I had, you know, spent the past year, 18 months now, kind of losing all my old friends and making new ones. And I was out pretty much weekly, you know, doing organizing in, in some way, shape or form. And so I, I did, I felt like I did really get to kind of experience a lot in that. I mean, yeah, I had never had like a bottle thrown at my head from a stranger, you know, until the past year or been called, God, like every insult under the sun. Um, but I, I mean, I a lot of us, I think, have also been thinking about solutions and how to get through this and how to get through what's to come. And I mean, I have a lot of feelings on sort of protest and whether it's effective, when it can be effective, what the goal is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I, I mean, I, I don't, I, w- I wasn't really sure like what else I had to offer at this time. And that compounded with, you know, just personal needs to make a shift for my career, also make a shift um, in terms of money um, and, and feeling like, you know, I, being in academia and, and as you're experiencing Andy, like with your job, you know, this, this stuff can flip like at any point. And so I, st- I mean, I still feel very, very, very insecure in terms of uh, all of that, you know, what we think of as like stability and career trajectory, but um, it's been a good move so far. Um, yeah. I mean, I can, I don't know if you want me to talk about kind of like the the cultural differences or yeah, my emotional state. I don't know what direction you want me to go. Or it wasn't by accident that you went from an urban place to a rural place. There, there was that. I believe that was intentional. When, yeah. I believe so. And and when you talk about things closing in, there was. I think there was a sense of closing in by virtue of these 
the mandates were getting ever, ever closer to like making it impossible for you to work for you to work where you were working before. I don't think it got quite to the point. I don't think that it got to the point where you had to go or else get the jab. I'm not sure if it got there, but it, I think what you were describing, I think was that, that you were, you felt like it was coming and you should make a move when you, when you can now. Yeah. I'm actually really curious looking back if I would have been allowed to start the term at the position I had intended to begin like in September as a, as a lecturer, I had a one-year offer to, to be a lecturer at, you know, the biggest university there, which is a hub in terms of not just academia, but in terms of the sort of medical industrial complex. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, my hunch is that I don't think they would have let me teach in person. So I don't know if they would have, you know, sort of found something for me online as a quote unquote accommodation, but I don't know. Yeah. It, it didn't kind of thankfully, I guess for, for my experience, it didn't get quite to that point because I got this job offered, you know, it was only a few weeks <laughs> before the term started, but um, yeah, I mean, absolutely. This is not a place I would have imagined myself moving to a few years ago, uh, rural conservative, you know, middle of nowhere town, but uh, I'm loving it. It's, yeah, I mean, it's it's an interesting cultural place because it's, on the one hand, like I said, it's a small, rural, fairly conservative town. On the other hand, you have the university, which is, you know, it brings in a lot of money and jobs. And, and there's sort of a distinct cultural difference between the university part of the town and then the rest of the town, which is much more working class. Um, yeah, and a lot of people who... I mean, the the sheriff here, you know, said we're not enforcing any of this crap. And so people walk around, you know, some people wear masks. Some, I mean, I don't know what the, the vaccination rate is in terms of like community, uh, community uptake, but I can tell you it's a lot lower than Seattle. Yeah. But, it, you know, people just kind of go about their, their stuff and they do their thing and um, people are not accosting each other like outside the grocery store. And it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been amazing just to see people's faces, to be honest, in person. And then, of course, being, you know, a, a professor at the university, I haven't seen students in person since March of 2020. So, of course, I'm dealing with a lot of COVID-related mandates and stuff from an institutional, you know, coming down from the university. But it's also, I mean, it's just such a relief. I kind of, you know, somewhere along the lines, I think I kind of forgot like the feeling of why I'm a teacher. Mm -hmm. So it's really nice to be feeling that again. I'm like, oh yeah, this is this is why I do this. This is why I wanted to to do this. And you are teaching in person now. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, in person. Yeah. And maybe can you say a little bit more? Because I'm move Jake. I want to come to you. But can you say a little bit more about maybe what you're expectations were about what it would feel like and then how it's actually what the experience of being in a in a different environment and you know coming more historically from the progressive left side moving to a place that seems more conservative can you say a little bit more about what that experience has been I mean I'm a little lost because once again I'm I'm in a situation where I don't I mean I'm starting afresh my partner came with me and my dog came with me but I don't know anyone here and we're we're you know several hours drive from any city so there is this instance in which 
beyond the surface level, like, oh my God, nice to see people without a mask. And everyone's very friendly. God, conservatives are very friendly. <laughs> at least here. Uh, was like the first thing that struck me. But yeah, I mean, I feel a little lost because I think a lot of, you know, I mean, I don't share the politics of people who have got massive like Trump stickers on the back of their, you know, pickup trucks. Um, it's it's a new culture for me in some sense. Um, on the other hand, I feel like I've kind of, um, it's good timing because I, I feel like over the past year and a half, like my own politics has changed. I feel I'm much, much more open-minded to talking about any subject really with people who don't share my own background and don't share my politics. And I mean, I'm, you know, just like with what's left, like if someone's willing to have a good faith conversation about something, I'm down. I don't care what your bumper sticker says. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting, like trying to make friends and trying to make friends with colleagues too is, is different because there are just certain subjects that can't really be openly spoken about. Um, and that has a, an effect on my sort of mental state and my, my own idea of like my self-worth because I was being very vocal in Seattle. Um, so, yeah, but well, I think we'll get to that yeah. part about sort of the, the mental yeah. effects. And, and Jake, um, you know, Jessica had relocated um, and had to change her, change her job. I'm not relocating, but I'm going to be changing my job. I'm going to be going from public school to a charter school, a non-unionized school. Um, I mean, that's, that's where I think things are headed, going from San Francisco to Oakland. Um, I don't want to, maybe I'm not going to spend too much time talking about that, but that's going to be a big change for me. How would you, I don't, how would you describe the changes that have happened for you? What kind of changes have, have, have happened for you? Uh, in Chicago there? Uh, not a whole lot in terms of, uh, you know, I mean, since it's not much different since the, the beginning of lockdowns for me. Uh, you know, uh, I think I've mentioned this before. Uh, you know, I, I pretty much knew the mandates were coming. I knew they were coming since the very early on in the lockdowns. And I've said it a million times on a million different, interviews and shows and uh so when they asked us if i wanted to go back in person um in the summer when they were getting ready for fall um you know i i just told them i mean as much i did want to i did want to go back in person i mean as, as especially as an english professor um you know discussion is the to me is the most enjoyable part of teaching right you know getting to get in the room with everybody and, and share ideas and, and just be able to see, see people. And, you know, there's always a few students that want to hang out after class, ask more questions, you know, uh, and just seeing my colleagues, seeing people there. And, you know, there was, uh, I had some workout partners, you know, in the gym, we go down in the gym in between classes. And so I miss all those people. Uh, and, and, uh, I wanted to do that, but I knew that if I was there when they came back with, uh, when they came out with the mandates that I would be, I would be in a bad spot. So I just, I just told them I didn't feel comfortable coming back. I didn't tell them necessary. I mean, I, I actually did. So they gave a little survey and they were like, you know, I mean, 
for all intents and purposes, they, they probably probably think that I'm scared of COVID, but really I, in the, in the form, I said, <laughs> I need more information about, and some of those things were contact tracing, testing policies, vaccine policies, all the way down the line. <laughs> uh, didn't get an answer on that. So I said, just keep me virtual. Um, and so, uh, so I just stayed, so I just stayed virtual. Um, there was, there was the possibility uh, and then obviously I, did, I didn't want to do that at another level because, you know, the whole book is about the, all the horrors of ed tech, you know, so I'm basically feeding the, the monster, but if I got to, you know, I'm kind of a rock in a hard place. If I have to feed some corporate government monster, it's not going to be uh, the nano bio security state at this point. It's going to be, it's just going to be the, uh, the data security state, the big data state at this point which you know already been doing that it's at certain levels anyway so that's i'd rather not give them a new foothold but um but there was a there was the possibility that i was going to have to test uh even even though i was fully online at one of the schools um and uh i the, the my unions you know i'm an adjunct uh and so um you know, our union is insane. You know, we're part of, I think we're part of the NEA, we're part of the IEA, we're part of the IEA, which is part of the NEA. But as an adjunct union, like some adjuncts don't even have unions. Like uh, the, the people that came before me uh, made it a point to make us, to create our union. And so, so because of that, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of, sort of redundant to say an adjunct unit, but it's very adjunct, right? I mean, even in its union status, right? Not just in its instructor status. And and because of that, uh, I don't want to say that we have more autonomy, but you know, we're we're not we're not sort of attached at the hip to the state and the national like like the full timers are. And so uh, I'm active in the union and there's some some cool people there. And you know, pretty much everybody there was you know, vaccinated. Uh, for all I know, all of them probably might be. Uh, but you know, the people there uh, agreed that they didn't think I should be forced to to have to to well to take it or to test. And so we got a memorandum of understanding that got attached to the contract that said that if you're not if you're not on campus, you don't have to get a test. So. So basically, I guess I should say, I mean, I, you know, to sort of wrap it all up, I mean, I'm very lucky, very blessed to, you know, I mean, obviously, <laughs> I'd like to be in a totally different paradigm altogether. I'd like to go back to the old normal, but that's not reality. So given reality, given what's upon us, um, I'm, I'm very lucky and blessed to be in this situation. But I mean, overall, I mean, even, even before COVID, like as an adjunct, uh, my life was never stable. <laughs> my job was never secure. Like I was always bouncing from what, who's got classes, who's got enrollment. You know, there's times when departments, there, you know, we had budget crisis here one year where I, where I, uh, the entire department got shut down, the adult ed department, uh, one of them where I worked. So in some ways it's pretty much par for the course for me. And so I guess I, you know, I'm very thankful for that. There's, there were, there, I, I do have some, uh, people very close to me that were, uh, uh, coerced into taking the jab, but didn't want to, and that has uh, 
affected me. That is, that's, I've not, I've not, you know, that's affected me emotionally. I'm uh, not happy about that. Um, I mean, I wonder, because both Jessica and I have been able to return to in person in the classroom. And I, I did find that I didn't know what it was going to be like with masks, frankly. Not that I don't care, but honestly, I was, I was so, it was so much better to be in person with the students, even with our masks on, that that was just a, I've had, I had one of my best years this year being in person as an educator. I don't know how you felt, Jessica, but um, Jake, what do you, do you get a sense of any impact of extended, and I don't mean in terms of how it helps ed tech, whatever, you know, like you said, we're all trying to survive here. But have you had any sense of how it's had an impact on you in terms of as an educator or doing your job, an impact on you to kind of carry on in that remote way? Yeah, I um, I mean, I, to be totally honest, it just doesn't even feel like teaching. Like it just, I feel like, like I've always said it where they wanted to take us, which is just a data manager, like especially with the asynchronous classes, because you never see anybody's face. Unless they, you know, on their little profile, put a picture up, which they don't have to. A lot of them do. They put a picture up, you know, that's what I get, the static image. Um, but I have no sense of their personality or, you know, who, who they are or, or anything like that. Um, uh, there is there is one, uh, at one of the schools, they offer what's called a meeting pattern, uh, which is it's, it's like a synchronous version. And so you do do kind of like a, it's like a Zoom thing like this. Um, where you meet every, you know, they, they did it, they're going to, they did it where you only met 75 minutes a week. So college classes are typically 275 minutes a week or 350 minutes. And so, so basically we were meeting once a week, you know, we're like half the time we would in person. And uh, that, I like that better, except that, um, you know, they're not, the students are not required to use their cameras. So I still don't see most of them. Some of them will sometimes, but then what usually happens is when they realize they're the only one or two that have their cameras on, I don't know, maybe they just feel weird about it. And then I, then they all turn off. But that's why I hear them. Um, and then I tutor uh, at the school virtually. And uh, so I might see them there, you know, like and they'll turn their camera on there and we can see each other. Um, Next semester, they're going to try. I talked to them about doing like, hey, like it's cool that we're doing at least once a week. But what the other thing happens is halfway through, like the first couple of weeks is kind of normal, but you're always cutting out half. And so, you know, like one of the main things that gets cut, obviously, is going to be the discussions because I'm trying to get through content in terms of like skills, rhetorical skills that they need, right? I'm trying to make sure they understand how to do assignments before we like get into like, you know, an open-ended dialogue about, about the readings and stuff. So next semester, I'm going to have a couple um, where we meet twice a week. So I'm hoping that's going to be a little more like being in person. Like um, I, I do almost, I feel like my lectures have gotten a little rusty, like, you know, like, you know, when you, the first time I, I do any lecture, it's always kind of like, I know, I think I know what I'm going to say, but as I go through it and it's like, oh, I should have did this first. And then I should have, you know, prefaced X with, with Y or whatever, instead of the other way around. And, uh, you know, a good lecture, I think is, you know what I mean? When you, when you get it down, uh, you know, it has, it has a structure and it has an order and it has a form. 
Um, I'm hoping that I can repolish those things and kind of feel more like a, a teacher, uh, like an actual human teacher. Um, and so, you know, that's that's what I'm hoping for next semester. So maybe, like I said, so, so the asynchronous really kind of takes me, doesn't feel very much like teaching, but, you know, we'll see. Maybe the maybe the meeting pattern thing will, will be a nice uh, middle ground for me. I feel like one of the things that doesn't get talked about enough that is lost with any online classes, but definitely with asynchronous, because we talk all the time about like the teacher's relationship to the student and their ability to absorb knowledge and participate, but also it's like their relationships to each other. Like one of my favorite things about teaching is just getting to witness like the friendships that they build or even, you know, even if they only extend for the duration of the lot of the class, you know, just like these little moments of humor or connection or like, Oh, like what, what do you, you know, sharing notes. And I just, it's such a gift to get to witness that and kind of like help facilitate that. Cause I, I have one class this term that's six kids and they have just become so close mm. And it's just, oh my God, like sometimes I feel like I could just, I could just leave the room and they could just, they'd be fine without me because they've become so comfortable and intimate and they share things that, you know, like I would never expect to be shared in an academic classroom in front of a teacher, but they've kind of, um, you know, like that could never be replicated online. And the other thing I get the impression of is is your own skills as a teacher almost becoming frozen from the last time you were in an in-person classroom. And, you know, like, you know, I, I, it's hard to imagine really improving your practice, improving yourself as an instructor in that environment. It feels like you, you're kind of at best set like an insect in amber, but in more likely, I think I felt like I was starting to like fall backwards. Yeah. I mean, you just are like a robot creating like modules on canvas or whatever. And yesterday, uh, did you guys see Amazon Web Services went down? So Canvas wasn't working. So we couldn't oh. access anything. None of my, we're in like almost in finals right now. Um, That's why my Canvas wasn't messed. It was getting Yeah, over. it was like, I know it, was, it was eight. Okay. okay. Yeah. And I mean, that affected like so many different businesses and sectors, but. I was wondering about that. I didn't know. I thought maybe it was just like, it, we're fine, almost finals week, and I thought like everybody was scrambling to finally yeah yeah it's terrible stuff in the servers. But okay, okay. I gave everybody an extension on stuff due this week because I was like, you couldn't access anything, any of the prompts. Um. Well, maybe let's move to the um, person like the personal, interpersonal, personal impacts of this. Um. I mean, uh, just for myself, like it has. It has built new relationships, Jake, and now you, Jessica, getting to know you and like me and Eduardo and me and Kenny. In many ways, it has strengthened some of my existing relationships and made them made me even more believe that they're real, um, that they can withstand the test of time. Chris Brandy and we're getting we got married. Um, and then all, all the people who came to the wedding, I feel a special feeling to them. But there are some people who didn't who were important to me and who didn't for reasons of safety and. You know, and so that's it's there's been some distance built in in certain family relationships and stuff like that, which has been sad for me. They're not over. Like I've heard how COVID has ended things for people. You know, you hear about 
grandmothers who aren't allowed to see their grandkids and won't be seeing their daughter or sons either, you know, who are going to literally go to their grave having never, you know, not seen their kids again because they won't get the shot. Um, I heard that from I mean, Jake, you and I heard that story. Um, and that's, that's not an uncommon story. I don't think I've experienced that sort of break, but you know, it has been hard that part. And I think that the biggest thing is really some of the relationships I had at work. Um, and there were people like, I, I had never, I had kind of lost a layer of liberal people around me as I became more and more extreme in my views. So that those people were already to the wayside, but there were people, yeah, yeah, extreme, right. But the, there were people who, who came along with me, who, who, you know, who were socialists or revolutionaries and, you know, we're just not communicating as much. I don't, we're not like enemies, but we just don't talk and we're, we used to talk all the time and, that's sad for me, um, but I don't really know what to do about it. And I, I don't think they're being wrong, but I don't know how to bridge that gap. Um, and I feel like it's unfortunate, but it's just a fissure that feels built in society. And um, I guess I'll just say that. And, and it's, I can just tell you that particularly because of the change and the stress, it, I just feel like I've, I don't even think I've come to grips with some of the law, like the emotional loss of the job change that I've had. I'm going to have for a job from 20 years that I've loved. Um, I don't even think I've really quite processed it yet. I don't even know when that's going to happen because I still kind of feel like I'm in um, survival mode and like girding myself for a fight and making sure that I, I have that next move I can make. And that me and like, my goal is to help it so that me and Brandy, if we leave California, it's not because we can't, we can't make a living here. It's because we don't want to be here anymore. You know? So um, that would be my goal, but I don't know if we're going to be able to do that. But I, I'm hoping we can. Um, so uh, it has it, that has definitely taken its toll and taken a. It's not a very merry Christmas for us this year. I think Brandy is merry Christmas. Like she bought me a gift, and I still haven't let her. Like I still haven't opened it. She wanted to have me open it this week last week. And I was like, I'm not in the mood to open any gift, and I haven't gotten you a gift, and I don't know if I'm going to get you a gift. And she's like, okay, I don't, you know. Um, and she's accepting that because I'm not finding that place in me right now. Um, and, uh, but it's, I like the holidays, you know, and I, I did enjoy Thanksgiving, but I'm not feeling like a Christmas holiday spirit. I'm just feeling like when me and Brandy get our time, I want to talk about my new classes and how I'm going to prepare for them and blah, blah, blah. Um, so we, so I can be successful so we can have a chance of making a living, you know, and I'm, that sort of is now my, I'm, I'm more in a survival mindset now, which isn't really as open as I'd like to be. Um, so you That's can send Brandy to my house. Say I, again? Love, I love Christmas. I'll <laughs> bake her Christmas cookies and. <laughs> oh, she'll love hearing that. <laughs> so that, that's me. Um, so maybe Jessica, if you could uh, share a little bit about yourself in terms of some of those, some of what it's been like. Sure. I mean, I think we're all still processing everything. So I don't, you know, I, I, in some sense, I've always been like this, but I feel like I just kind of swing wildly depending on the day between feeling very hopeful and very blessed and thankful for, you know, I mean, I still have a job. Like, that's crazy compared to like what you went through, Andy, or are going through and so many people. Um, and I don't, I mean, I feel a sense of sort of false, you know, like temporary security 
that I feel very strongly is kind of uh, an illusion, which could crumble at any minute. But I mean, it is really hard to lose friends and lose. I haven't seen my parents in, well, since before COVID. I mean, I didn't see them that often before, you know, maybe like once a year, if that. But yeah, I haven't seen them since like 2019. Mm. Actually, I don't think I've seen my dad since 2018. Is that right? Um, I can't go see my, like half my family's in England, which is where I'm originally from. And my grand turned, she just turned 91. Mm. I can technically go now, but I, if I go, I have to quarantine for, I think like 10 days and I have to do a whole bunch of different tests, you know, here. And then once I get there and then halfway through the quarantine and it's like, okay, I have like two weeks for Christmas break. Like, I'm going to go quarantine for 10 days, spend two days with her and then go home. I mean, and who knows, like, I don't know. It's things change so fast. It feels like I would be scared, you know, just to even know if I'm going to be let back into the country or what. So that is really disheartening. I, I mean, I, I have said since like I keep saying to my partner, I started saying this like in spring 2020, like, I'm, I'm scared. I'm never going to see my parents or my family again, Mm. you know, and people were like, Oh, that's so dramatic. Like calm down. But I I mean, I still feel that like every few days I just kind of get struck by like a wave of like, Oh man, like, am I ever going to see them again? Um, yeah. And, and I mean, even just like at this new job, trying to make friends and I'm pretty, I'm trying to be pretty open-minded about it. And being here, I have found that I kind of, I'm having to let go a little bit of like the like fight mentality. I mean, I'm still part of, you know, various um, efforts to organize Mm -hmm. and I'm still obviously like thinking about my own plan and like, how do I need to prepare for the future? But I'm not, I'm not like on the ground um, like I was in Seattle. And even before that, like grassroots, like on the ground activism was such a big part of my identity. So coming here, you know, it's, it's, it's beautiful. There's nature all around. And like one of the, one of the things I'm most excited about is we have a big yard and there's like a vegetable garden and my landlady's um, agreed to sort of take me on as her apprentice in the spring. So I'm going to learn to grow some food and get to, I mean, that's like, that's a big thing, like not just for my mental health, but also just in thinking about the future. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's one, one step out of many that I feel like, oh, man, I got to learn, <laughs> learn some shit. Um, so that's great, but it it's a change, like kind of having to like, let go. I'm not, you know, no one's throwing bottles at my head here. <laughs> so it's, it's good, but it's, it's a huge sort of shift. Um, so yeah, just kind of having to be be with myself and then like trying to make friends here. I'm trying to be open-minded, like I said, and and I know some people are sort of like, you know, I don't want to be around unjabbed or I don't want to be around jabbed people. I don't want to be around brainwashed people. And um, I, I don't really feel that way. Like I, I, I understand, like I understand why to some extent, I mean, it's, getting pretty blatant at this point but I I understand like 
why people they're they're well-meaning the majority of people like they they really think that they're doing the right thing and on the right side of history so I'm like trying to trying to make friends but it's really hard when colleagues like won't go to a bar to grab a drink because the vaccination rates in the town are so low that they're literally scared of like these like I mean, they don't use the word dirty, but like basically like all these like dirty Republican working class people who might be in the same bar, (laughs) you know, so it's like you can't it's like 32 degrees outside. Um, So there's not a whole lot of outdoor seating to be had. And so it's like every single time you want to just meet someone for coffee or, hey, like I want to hear about your research or want to hear about your teaching. People don't want to meet in person and it makes it really difficult to to forge any sort of an intimate relationship and then if you do get talking I mean I because I'm you know I'm I'm on a pretty short term I'm a visiting professor so my contract runs through June and then we'll see um so I don't really feel like I can speak freely to anyone really uh, in terms of like faculty and, and people at the university and so there's just a a distance that like can't really be like, I I don't know how to navigate it. And it feels, I mean, it feels sad and it feels also kind of gross. Like, I don't know. I feel sort of complicit. I don't know. Like you were saying Jake, like about, you know, it's like you're teaching online. So you're sort of like participating in this whole, whatever, fourth industrial revolution data harvesting crap, but it's like, Okay, but if you were in person, they would maybe coerce you into other measures. And so, like, I, I mean, I, I'm not going to take the jab, but, you know, I, I have to wear a mask in certain contexts in my job, despite the fact that I have a documented exemption, like from a medical professional that they won't accept. Um, and that feels like gross. And I think actually, like, the not being able to speak freely is more of it actually than the mask. Like, the mm-hmm. mask bothers me um but yeah I mean it's it's hard and I feel just like you said Andy I feel like there's just so much that I haven't really processed yet yeah and I can relate to feeling like i my next move I think my wings are going to be a little clipped to be honest like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I mean I'll say some things but it's I'm not gonna go out like in the blaze of glory that I did in the other place even if I won't have to get necessarily a jab but uh, I'm going to lay a little bit more low. Um, and that does take, you start to feel like, wait, am I giving up on something? I, I, I try to say basically, you know, I just got to do what comes naturally to me and this feels right. Even if that doesn't feel fully right. Cause I, I just feel like I'm just trying to find a new place to be and see if I can get my bearings. Um, and I feel like I would just flame out if I just came in, uh, guns blazing. So it, it doesn't, it, it doesn't feel fully right, but I, I don't. I could not see myself doing it any other way. Um, if I, then, then to come in a little bit more like, okay, I'm not going to be speaking as much, and I'm going to see what's around me here. Um, so, um, and Jake, what about you? How would you describe sort of uh, the interpersonal and personal journey you've been through in the last several months? Uh, well, let me start by. Uh, chiming in on what y'all just both said about that kind of that dirty feeling or that that compromised feeling about having to 
you know, at one level participate in all of this. Uh, you know, I, you know, I wrote this book uh, before COVID. It was published October 2019. So, you know, not that long before, but uh, I knew that it was not popular, the things that I was saying. I knew it went against all of the emerging trends. And, you know, I knew it was considered conspiracy theory. So there were several reasons why my colleagues, uh, you know, could possibly not like it and then maybe shun me or maybe even not give me another, you know, because I'm, I'm an adjunct and I'm basically at will. Like they don't have to give me classes, right? I mean, I know that, that there's a union at one of the schools. Um, so maybe there's, there'd be some friction there, but uh, technically they could, they could always come up with a reason why they couldn't find me a class. And um, so I always felt like I was kind of, you know, even before COVID, I always felt like I was like, one foot in and one foot out, like undercover, like, you know, never able to really say exactly what I thought about stuff. I would try to, you know, uh, breach con broach conversations with, you know, I always would like to, you know, hey, have you heard of X? You know, have you heard of this? Or, you know, or I, somebody told me, and, you know, and then you kind of feel how people respond and they roll their eyes, or, you know, then you kind of like, oh, yeah, you know, I was just, was just wondering what you thought, you know, you kind of move on, you know, and, but, but you're always kind of like, not yourself you know what i mean like it's supposed to be academia and like you're supposed to be you know be able to actually share your your ideas and you're supposed to be academic freedom and all that and have a robust debate but it, i just never felt like that so i always kind of carried that but you know when i maybe this is just me trying to make it not feel as gross as you know, I pay taxes, you know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? Like, like I'm in this world and in this society, you know what I mean? Like at some level, regardless, like you're, you're always going to be, you know, and you, and you probably should, I mean, in whatever, whatever society you live in, there should, you should probably, there should be some give and take, right? It doesn't have to be all the way you want it all the time. I mean, that's kind of, kind of the situation it would be the inverse of it would be like us trying to tell everybody no one can get a vaccine or something right i mean like there has to be a sort of a a give and take um and so you know i just i don't know i just i just wanted to say that out loud to like you know it's it's you i don't want to say don't feel that and don't think that because i think it's good to have a conscience to you know what i mean like you should be able to say i have these principles and i feel like they're kind of not being upheld but 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 also you shouldn't beat yourself up uh about it especially when you're you're you didn't abandon the principles and and the the compromises you're making are so that you can live to you know fight another day you know so that you can at least not give up the entirety of the principles i just wanted to put that out there um, you know, on a personal level, it's been pretty, you know, I, like I said, I, I just, I guess I'm just in this world that we live in this new normal, I guess I'm super lucky, super blessed. I mean, like I, there's not really anybody that, uh, I've had to like part ways with. I mean, I, you know, it, I've always been pretty much a, a black sheep though, as far as just, not just in academia, but just you know, I've, I've always sort of, you know, been on the, on the fringes of what is, you know, I guess acceptable, you know, just in terms of ideas, politics, uh, you know, uh, and, uh, but all my friends, like, you know, the, like the, my, the closest friends that I've had that I grew up with, like <laughs> all on the same page, which is 
uh, which is interesting to me. You know, it, you know, it's not. It doesn't surprise me. You know, knowing how because we were all sort of like that. You know, uh, sort of all sort of the, the troublemaker crowd, I guess you call us. You know, lots of suspensions from school and all that type of stuff, kind of kind of running wild on the streets and things like that. So, kind of already not feeling like we're you know very skeptical of the of the mainstream and so most of my family i mean I, there's family that you know disagree with there's family that has gotten the jab but none of them are, are like you need to get I've, I've heard nobody tell me i need to get it i've heard nobody tell me they don't want to associate with me because i didn't get it um so you know so no big changes there and that's 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 really good i mean i'm i'm you know i'm very happy about that i guess like uh you know overall um you know it's it's like uh the, the most i guess the most stressful thing for me has really been all associated with positive stuff which is just the amount of activism the amount of just the, all the you know i was they i managed to make my way into the I was the adjunct representative for the CARES committee. So I got to put in my two cents about what I thought about what we should and shouldn't spend our money on. Uh, I got to be part of the union negotiations. Uh, been doing the school of students and workers for choice with, with you and, and Jessica and uh, drove all the way across the country. Uh, both, both sides met with uh, really, really cool people that have, uh, Help me with my research, help me with my book, help me with interviews and stuff. Um, I wouldn't have been able to do that if it weren't for the lockdowns and the virtual learnings. So, like, you know, in all the ways that it was difficult, like it's but it's just been non-stop, non-stop, you know, and just constant incoming messages. You know, I gotta, you know, this interview, that group, this meeting, this paper, you know, and then. And then with the mandates coming in, you know, like having to figure out, do I need an exemption? Am I gonna, you know? So I'm just kind of like mentally burnt out more than I am emotionally. Like, so I'm like really looking forward to this break here. I'm gonna try to recharge my batteries. Just kind of, you know, I need to keep up with unlimited hangout, doing my my work there and things like that. And I wanna, uh, but I wanna do some more. I wanna get, I found a gym. Uh, where where uh, uh, I want to get back into martial arts, uh, like with people, not just hitting the bag and stuff. I uh, found a place where uh, uh, my wife, you know, found it for me. She said, Let me check this place out. And I, you know, knocked on the door and uh, was like, Hey, you guys, do you, do you require vaccines? And the, the lady there that was running the school was like, uh, She goes, uh, What did she say? It was, uh, Oh no, she said. She goes no, and if that's something you're worried about, this isn't the place for you. And I was like, I was like, no, I was like, that's something I'm not worried about, and so this is the place for me. Like, I, you know, that's what I was scared of, and so I'm gonna go check that place out. Uh, I'll need to start off easy because uh, I haven't been doing a lot of cardio, so you know, you know how that is. Uh, but overall, I mean, like you know, and you know, you know, I'm, I'm a spiritual guy. Christian guy, you know, believe in God. And, and I just, you know, uh, if to the extent that I did not choose, none of us chose to be in this new world with this lockdown, this fourth industrial revolution and, you know, this, this global, uh, technocracy. Uh, but to the, you know, if I had to live in this moment, 
it's, I just, I just really feel blessed. I really feel like, you know, not only did I, have I kept my job or I kept my relationships, kept my friendships. Um, but I've been able to have a resource for people to help them navigate this world. I've been able to meet amazing people that are, you know, like-minded. We're also standing up, um, you know, and so I'm not just sitting here waiting for what's going to happen next. Uh, you know, I feel like I'm you know, doing, doing something to, you know, turn the boat around. And, uh, you know, I just, it's, it's just, I, I honestly can't say anything other than I just, I feel like it's something, not me, you know, so, something, it was luck or God or something that put me in this position. And um, like, that is, that has kept me moving through all the like times when I just want to just sleep in, you know, or, you know, not, not meet another deadline. Um, so that's, you know, that's pretty much, me where i'm at right now so i think we need to like here but also just broadly like we all need to talk more about like the things that help us build that like kind of psychic shield that you need i mean even just to like walk around i mean in seattle it was just it made me so sad just like seeing people act like they were acting um, and I, yeah, I feel like I kind of had to cultivate like some sort of a defense. And I think a lot of us are really focused on like all of the shit that's terrible and fear for the future. But I think, yeah, like, like you were talking about Brandy and all of the good relationships in your life, Andy. And, and yeah, like Jake, I mean, your work, I mean, just for me, like I've learned so much from reading your work and mm-hmm that feeling of like being able to, to contribute to opening people's eyes and, and being productive, like, like not capitalist productive, but like really productive. Um, yeah, for sure. I think that's, that's amazing. Doesn't have to be that way. You know, I mean, that's why I really, you know, I just, I really have a, it just, it just really feels like a spiritual thing to me because it's just like, you know, I could have done all the same things and it could have not been that way. I could have not met Andy. I could have not met Charlotte. I could have, you know, I could have this book and nobody could have read it. You know, I could have had nobody respond. I've had people, you know, ask me about, Hey, you know, I'm getting, I'm going to homeschool my kid. Do you have resources or, you know, uh, all, all, you know, people with on school boards, like, Hey, you know, what, what types of policy you say they keep an eye out for? I mean, you know, and so, uh, you know, anytime that we're able to do, do anything, you know, I mean, you know, in some ways it's like, <laughs> I'm in the same room all day, right, you know, I mean, I'm still an adjunct, I still have a hard time of making ends meet as far as, you know, my paycheck goes, I mean, in some ways, you know, things have not changed, but I changed, but uh, anytime, any, anything that we can do to move that boat, I, I think it's important to, like, to really appreciate that, like, and to see it as a, as a blessing, because it it doesn't have to be that way. And you know, if it, and let's say you know it's worst case scenario that the outcome of this that the boat doesn't get turned around in our lifetime. You know, let's say that for some reason that's inevitable. Then the best you can hope for is that you could at least be able to connect with other like minded people and and shine some kind of light, and then have and, and have some solidarity in that. 
and, and, and share that, that space where you have a little bit of peace, a little bit of hope. And uh, that's, that's a huge thing. I mean, I think it's a huge thing. And it just, like you said, it, it helps you, you know, it gives you more endurance, you know? And so it just, it's, it's important because it's easy to just, uh, you know, think about, Oh, then what's the next move? What's the next thing you're going to do? Am I going to keep my job? Am I going to, am I going to have to get the job? Am I going to have to, you know, you could do that all day and never stop. And so it's, uh, it's important to, to focus on the positive. Like the, the historical framing is so important. Like you said, like it might not be in our lifetime. It probably won't, you know, but you look back at history, like any boat that was turned around, right? I mean, it, it was rough for generations. I'm teaching, um, do you guys know Carlos Belosin's book, America is in the heart. Mm-mm. He was, um, it's kind of like a memoir, but it's all about Filipino immigrants in like the 1920s and 30s and, you know, everything that they faced. And then there, a lot of the book is about um, his experience kind of joining the movement to unionize and the worker struggle, like specifically for Filipino immigrants at that time, but also like just globally. And like, what is it, what does it look like to be in solidarity with like somebody on the other side of the world who has a completely different, you know, language, completely different culture, completely different background, but to, to like actually be in solidarity with them. And it's just, I mean, it's just crazy, like how long it took and how much just brutality, you know, they endured for, for generations, you know, like, like physically, but also psychologically. Mm. I think it's going to be rough. I think it's going to be rough for, (laughs) for the rest of our lifetimes. I was starting to feel optimistic after listening to Jake, but Jessica, you brought me down down again. Um, It was, what's interesting. I didn't really expect it in this episode. Um, but I'm thinking, Jake, as, as, as you were talking, I was like, like you, you, you kind of said you and you and Jessica, I mean, you were talking, looking at me and Jessica and you're like, you are all worried about job instability. I've been living in job instability. That's not an issue. And, and then I, when I first met you, you did remind me of a guy, you know, like there's those people who buy weapons and buy, uh, rations and they put them in a, in a, in a bunker. Like you reminded me of people like that think that way, you know, a person had that kind of like have your own bunker just in case there's a nuclear war. If you got to go to war sometime, I always had that impression of you when I first met you. And I think of it now, I was like, I, I've been living in a bunker all my life in my head. So you got to, you guys got to get used to that and join me now. <laughs> That's not too, I, I've had storable foods. I don't have a bunker full of weapons. So I feel like you've been living in that way that I'm having, I'm going to have to learn how to be a little bit more. In, in this in this coming era, um, there's one question I actually have for you, Jessica, that I, I've forgotten to ask, and it's it's kind of circling back around you and your family, um, and your parents. Um, are is there actually uh, is there because has is it not just you're not talking about it, but has there been statements made of like you can't come until you are jabbed or something like that? Is is that there, or you're just wondering about that? It's part of it. I mean, I can talk. I I tell them how I feel I mean I try to not just like after after the first few months I tried to you know reel it back because it's like they weren't agreeing so you know at a certain point like you're just like ruining the relationship for nothing because they're not gonna get there but um yeah I mean it's part it's partly that like I wanted to go visit them 
at multiple points last year and then earlier this year when I had breaks and it was like because I was teaching online you know I felt like I had an opportunity that I don't normally have and I was like I'd like to come visit and yeah they were they weren't really comfortable with it um before the job and then even after it they I mean they both got got vaccinated um yeah I mean it, it was a mix of things and then also just just money like I yeah I mean I was living paycheck to paycheck and yeah. um yeah and I mean my my sister like completely cut me off for god like maybe eight months or so because of my views like wouldn't even talk to me on the phone so that was that was pretty crazy like and kind of kind of heartbreaking she had like just moved to Seattle <laughs> like like six or seven months before and I was so excited to have family like I hadn't oh. had family in the same time zone since I was like 18 when I left home um because all my family was either in the midwest or the east coast or in England and I've been on the west coast most of my adult life um but we're we talk now I don't know yeah it's it's hard there's not really anyone in my family or even extended family that feels like even similarly to me like everybody's gotten the job everybody's pro pro mandate to some degree it's it's definitely well I'd have to say that's one thing is on with my mom me and my mom actually are talking better in some ways I mean she was a Trump supporter and you know and but she kind of went that particular direction with the whole thing like she she looks at she doesn't buy the COVID narrative at all and, and my brother and his his wife we've but even though we we're in very different sides of the political spectrum we were able to talk and it's actually helped me I think do a better job of actually if, if, if there's going to be that left right coming together I feel like talking with my mom and my brother is probably doing some work to prepare me for, you know, doing that better and being helpful in facilitating a link as opposed to having things never come together. I bet. I mean, I've heard that from, from a few people that, you know, I think it, it kind of either drives you further apart or it drives you closer together. Yeah. For me, the hardest thing has been with my partner because we're not on the same mm. page really. And I, I won't go too, I won't go too deep into that just because yeah. yep. I respect his privacy, but I mean, that's, that's a really hard one. And I don't know many couples who have sort of like survived <laughs> COVID, um, not, not being on the same page. I feel like most, most of them are sort of yeah aligned. <laughs> At my, least somewhat. my brother who has been with his wife for, I think almost now 20 years, and he takes immense pride in, in their union, like, and how hard they work to do, to keep that together and how disciplined they are in keeping their relationship growing. And then both of them think that this, had they not come together at this moment on this issue, this could have, this could have split them up, you know, particularly if they had to figure out if their kids are going to get vaccinated or not, or whether they're going to be on the same page around that. They're like, this one might've taken us apart. And I, I, yeah. I, I never heard them even say something like that. Um, I feel very grateful that Brandy and I have, are going in the same direction in terms of the organizing and around this, it's, uh, this thing can really, it's very it's very hard to navigate with people you're close to unless uh, they either have to really make peace with it. Like um, there's a mentor that um, Brandy has who's vaccinated, older woman, but she just doesn't care. And I, so it's, when she doesn't care, she doesn't care if you are or not. She doesn't have strong views about the whole thing. I have no problem. Like she's yeah. the person who helped us do our dance and I'm like totally like free with her, you know? So um, it's just, we don't necessarily complain about 
can you believe they're doing this stuff in Austria with her? You know, it's like, yeah. Um, but uh, it's, it's, it is, I, it is hard. I can only tell you that it's very hard to, to do that. Or, and I, I don't know, we, Brandy and I would be in a different place if, if we hadn't found an alignment along that. Um, so, uh, Jake, I was wondering if we could take it to the stuff around organizing. I'm kind of curious because you and I have been talking a lot about organizing and we've, we've had different pasts and, you know, you have seen me as more experienced in it and stuff like that, but I am curious what it's been like for you, what sort of lessons you've learned out of it. And I'll be asking you the same question, Jessica, but I think I want to start with Jake in terms of what you've learned about organizing, what's your experience been in organizing, what are your thoughts about it, whatever you want to say about it. Man, I, I, I feel like I've, I've just been living vicariously, largely through your uh, leadership in, in some ways as far as, I mean, because, you know, well, let's just say it this way. Like, I feel like I should be doing, to, to, to make a claim that I'm organizing, I feel like I need to be, like, connecting with other humans in human physical space. Like, most of my organizing has been virtual through through the book through social media through connecting with people and most of the the organizing i've done has been with people that are not in the state where i live right i mean even with the uh, uh, students and, and workers for choice there's nobody in there <laughs> from from illinois and there was i think a couple people that were relatively uh in the uh i guess what you could call the midwest but still not in my state and so like you know a lot of times i see uh, you know, you, there's a lot of people from California in our group, and you know, I uh, I'm listening to you all talk about you, know, you got this rally, you got that rally. You're meeting these people, you're meeting those people, and uh, I feel like I sh I should be doing something like that on the ground out here to to be able to actually say that I am organizing more than. I mean, and I don't, you know, I know that there's a lot of people in the group that said they found you because of the book, and I'm, and I'm, I'm grateful for that, and I'm happy about that. So I mean, I don't want to act like, like I'm, you know, just sitting in there and, and listening, uh, but it, but you know, it's not like, right? There's no, there's no rallies for me to go to. There's no, you know, there's no groups of people around here, you know, parents groups, teacher groups, student groups. Maybe there are. But if there are, I'm not aware of them. I don't know how to find them. And some of that is, you know, maybe that's just me not getting myself out there as much. But, you know, as, as I mentioned, like, you know, as a teacher, like, uh, you know, I guess I guess where I were the places where I would have made those connections. I've always done that sort of <laughs> undercover type thing where I'm not like, you know, super vocal about it. Because I, as I mentioned, you know, I know that. Uh, I am kind of a, a eccentric dude and uh you know I do have that like kind of black sheep background so I just I I uh I can rub people the wrong way right I mean uh even when I'm my best person like you said the first time you met me you thought I was some kind of prepper or something I mean like I, you know that's not I didn't intend for that it's just you know I'm, I'm kind of goofy sometimes so so I you know and, and the ideas like these ideas are not uh you know what I mean? It's not like, hey, uh, I want to show you how to garden or something. You know, it's like, I want to tell you about the fourth industrial revolution and vaccine passports and digital uh, blockchain identity and, you know, the new world order. You know, it's just like, okay, dude. <laughs> like, 
so I've been reticent to uh to try to do anything like locally. I need to maybe me maybe I need to talk with you more about that. Like what are the, some of the things we do? But um, you know, it has been. Um, I think I have a, a more of an idea about how to go about that. Like you know by participating in the students and workers for choice and just having conversations with you. Uh, I guess some of it too is, um, I think, uh, I guess it couldn't, you know, I, I guess some of it is I'm reticent to, I've always felt like if I'm on as much, you know, I mean, so the book, the book goes nationwide and, and across, and across national borders. So in some ways, uh, you know, I'm, I'm already out there. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's different when the local uh, officials know that you're trying to organize something to disrupt or otherwise, you know, uh, do, you know, not, not be part of this whole mandate thing. Right. That's that could bring different heat or repercussions on not just me, but, but you know, the, the people around me, family and friends. And so that's why I'm so that's part of something that keeps me like, yeah. Uh, you know, we got those, those cards now. And I, I think with that, I think that's probably might be where I start to, um, our, 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 um, our cards that we have the, um, the schools, uh, school students and workers for choice cards. And yep, there we go. All right. Awesome. Awesome. But I know, I mean, there's plenty of times, Illinois is interesting. Like, uh, and then I'm right on the border of Indiana. So if you go to Indiana, um, you, you know, it's it's super, it's way less than Indiana as far as like the mask compliance and all that type of stuff. Um, I don't even know if they have uh, if they've been implementing the, the, the school mandates. I know I think there was like a, a stop on some of the masking at some point. I go and get my hair cut out there. I always pick the barber's brain about what they do. And I got some friends out there. Uh, but the reason I say that is that. Um, there's plenty of conversations that I could start that, that I could start up with people who I could see just based on the fact that they don't have a mask on at the grocery store, at the gas station, at the movie theater, wherever, uh, and maybe had them a card, right? And so maybe that's something that I'll uh, that I'll that I'll try. But so that's you know I guess I, I feel uh, still feel very novice, um, but it, but it has made me. You know, I've gone from, you know, when, when I wrote the book, my publisher asked me right before it got published, it was an interesting question. And he said, uh, he said, do you have any kids? And then I said, no, 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 me and my wife are not able to have kids. And then, and I was like, why did you ask? And he said that, well, he's like, a kid can change your life. And then he goes, a book can change your life, you know? And it was like, whoa, like, I never thought about that. Like, and, you know, I guess it kind of has, like, in a lot of ways. Um, but then the other part was, he was like, you need solutions. You know, I mean, the whole thing was, I see this problem, I'm going to lay it out for people and let them figure out how to do it. And then sort of just by writing that conclusion and, you know, having that whole change or that, that comment he made in the back of my head, uh, it, I, I feel, I feel like I, I should be doing more in terms of some kind of actual organizing because it's like I don't like if, if I'm just going around and you know spreading the word or you know uh, notifying people of the problem um I don't know it, it doesn't it feels like 
you know, I don't want to just be like a, a, a media personality or like, a, you know, like an author or some sort of expert on a topic. Like, like, you know, I wrote the book because it's a problem I want solved. I don't want to live in that world. Right. And so uh, it almost feels kind of half of a, like I'm only doing half the job. If I'm like, there's a problem. All right. I'm you know, done. Everybody come and, you know, tell me about whether you like the book or not. And then you figure out how to do this. And so uh so so i guess i'm learning a lot and um and I'm, I'm grateful for that too and so i'm you know i just i guess i just need to sort of it's one of these things where you just you got to kind of get in the ring and and just see what happens you know it might be messy at first and you know we've, me and you've talked about this you, know, you don't know what the solution looks like you don't know what the steps are to get there you can maybe figure out one or two steps that are next but if you try to actually plot it out more than that, it kind of gets foggy and, and, you, and, you, and you know, you can't, you can't force it into some preconceived idea. So um, it's been a learning experience and, um, you know, I'm, I'm eager to learn more and, um, you know, and I'm happy to be doing it with you. Well, I feel the same way. Jessica, would you have anything to say about, and then I want you to maybe answer the same question, but is there anything you'd say about some of the stuff that Jake was mentioning in terms of, is half in half out because I had some thoughts for me but I'm curious if you have something to say about that I mean I feel like a novice too I'll just say I I mean I was doing activism and involved in organizing for various stuff for years but yeah it's been an interesting kind of like case study I suppose just in I mean, on the one hand it feels like it took forever like with my little group in Seattle you know, it was like five of us going out there with a couple of homemade signs. And they're now only just kind of starting to get like bigger, bigger amounts of people and more pushback, but also like, like a little bit of media coverage, you know, and that took like, I mean, the, the person who started the group, Vicky, she literally went out during 14 days to flatten the curve, like right at the beginning just herself and a sign that said i think honk if you honk if you question coronavirus mm. and she just like went to uh the like one of the local parks because it was one of the only places people were going because everything had shut down but people were still like going outside to walk along the park and you know and it, she just did that so it's like yeah like you said jake like we just gotta try stuff and it takes it takes time, but I also feel like it's kind of, I mean, it's, it's a short amount of time. And I feel like we've gotten to see so many different types of activism. And I, and I feel like people who would never consider themselves organizers are stepping up and just, I mean, just sacrificing massive amounts of time and energy and personal, you know, their careers, whatever, social standing, so it's cool. It's cool to see. I feel like I've learned probably more, even just from witnessing it, but then definitely from from participating in the past year and a half than all of the rest of activism that I've ever done combined. It's scary, you know. I mean, it's scary like not getting any traction, right? Because then you know you're not you're not actually really challenging power you know, sort of like we can't be protesting from the sidewalk type of thing. 
And then it's scarier when you do get traction, right? Because then they come down on you. And we see that now, right? Like with Austria and Australia, like they've had way bigger protests than us by a hundredfold. And look what's happening. But that's, I mean, that's how you know, like that's that's power, right? So I don't know. I mean, I'm, yeah, I feel a little lost, like I kind of said before, because out here it's, I mean, it's like a town of like 13,000, I think. And most of them are not, you know, they're not out marching. I mean, they don't give a shit whether you wear a mask if you walk into the Safeway, but they're not going to go like, you know, burn down the coronavirus testing center or whatever. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I still feel pulled toward like, we got to do radical work now and not just through our computers. But also, I don't, yeah, I don't know. So it's, yeah, I guess it's just uh, taking it one day at a time and and talking to as many people as possible and trying to build relationships. And it, you know, one person leads you to another person, leads you to this group, leads you to whatever. And we'll just kind of fumble our way through this, I hope, and try to stay human along the way. I have to say, it was real. It was it was tough listening to Kenny's episode the other week and seeing, you know, seeing um, like what people's breaking point are. I hope that doesn't sound like judgmental. Cause mm-hmm. I don't, I don't feel judgmental at all. Like nothing but respect. And I still think he's, you know, like one of our best mm-hmm. strongest soldiers in this fight, like mm-hmm. pre jab, post jab. But I also like, it's kind of a reminder that everybody does have a breaking point. I think that's the reality. And I'm saying like, no, I, I'm not crossing that line, not for anything ever. But also like, there's probably something that would make me do it, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, and I think, um, I think Jessica, you and I have a little bit more of the same kind of organizing past, like the, the circles we've been doing stuff in and, calling meetings and trying to get to doing protest things. And there's a way that this work, I thought I was bringing experience to that, that I thought I was bringing that experience to this work. And, and I think Jake has sometimes said, Oh, you're Andy, you're bringing that experience, but there's a way I feel like not, I'm not going to say this is exaggerating, but almost none of that matters because this stuff feels different in terms of the kind of organizing we're doing. I do think it actually does matter um, because I do think, there's something about just saying, okay, we're showing up and we're going to meet with a bunch of people or maybe not a bunch of people, but we're going to meet with some people and we're going to try to do something and we're going to see if we can make something happen in the world. Well, who says you can do that? It's like, well, we do because we're going to try to do it. So that meant that notion in your head of just like, well, here we are, let's try it um, is, is a, not a unique, but is an important thing that we brought to the, to the work in the past that I think we can bring into the present. Um, but I do think like, Jake often, early on, Jake asked me a question of like, okay, we've got a lot of people coming early. Like we have like 30 people come into meetings, sometimes 40 or whatever. And he goes, what about when it gets smaller? Like, what does that mean? And I told him, I said, well, historically that means like lights out, it's, it's over. You know, you got to like no one to pack up, you know, and cause things are, it's the things are in decline. You know, what's the point of sticking around? There's no, there's no movement in the movement. So, you know, obviously the cause has, has receded. And I don't feel that way about, 
the same profile is in the movement right now. The mandates have knocked everyone around. And I think everyone's life has been, everyone's feeling like, I think all of us here are feeling, which is a little bit like, what are we dealing with right now? Jake's the person who's in best shape of all of us right now. Um, but the, um, but I, but I, even if things are getting smaller, the thing I'm involved in right now is not really a movement. It's my life. I'm involved in my life now because for me to believe that me and Brandy and Kismo, my dog, and for my friends and the people I care about, for, for me to believe we, we can live in a world that is worth living in, that is safe to live in, we're going to have to do something about where the world is headed. And, and we don't have a choice. And so this feels like not something I can be like, it's not just a cause. It's not something I believe in. Just like, that's wrong. You're doing that. That's wrong. I'm going to try to stop you from doing it. It's like, I feel like I'm in something that is about long-term survival and long-term um, for me, you know? So if the mo- if, if things get smaller, then it's just like, okay, well, that's smaller. How do we survive in that phase? You know, because I do believe it is going to be about building networks and relationships um, that is going to be so crucial to whatever comes into the future. Um, and Jake, that's why I feel like I do hope you find those allies. And I think we'll mail you some, they mail you some cards, you know, so you can use some of those. But um, I actually think you've played a really good role in workers and students for choice one in showing up every week, you know, and just being part of it, being part of the discussion, connecting people to some of the stuff that's going on and asking questions that get people thinking. But also I think people know that you that you have that range of experience and range of awareness about this, this world, like this fourth industrial revolution world and contacts in that stuff. And, and in many ways, I think we know you bring those contacts with you in some ways. And that makes us feel connected to more people than just, than just you, you know, um, it's sort of, it's sort of like the way when that person from the, the, na- the, the national, national coalition for health integrity, the group from New Mexico, like they come in and they have their connections and it, you just feel like you're part of something bigger. Um, and so I do think you'll get that experience eventually of having to do that work that's on the ground. But I actually feel like the role you're playing in, in, our, in our group is actually really helping keep it together, which I think is important because that, if it falls apart, that that will be unfortunate. It will, something's going to need to be come together again because this movement, the world that the capitalists are, are building is about disconnecting people. So we will have to find a way to get connected. And, and we all know it's never, it's never going to be enough to do it virtually, but this is going to, this has been our starting point for finding some of the, some of ourselves, you know, some, each other. And that may be how it happens for you. You hand somebody a card, they show up to the meeting, turns out you're only two miles away from each other. And that's, that becomes the beginning of a start. Um, I can tell you, me and Brandy went to a, a physical meetup of other people that was up in Marin or something like that wasn't quite there. And we met a woman from Chicago who had left Chicago recently. And I said, Oh, I know somebody from Chicago. And she goes, he, he says, there's nothing there. And she goes, yeah, he's right. There's nothing there. <laughs> so he goes, she goes, cause she's anti-mandates altogether. And she goes, I could not find anyone who was sane there. So that can't be possibly be true, but clearly Chicago has got some issues. Um, I would think that there would be at least something in like on the local news that I would hear about, even a small, you know what I mean? If there's, you know, but then sometimes, you know, it's like my, my publisher, I says like, you know, if there's a reason why there's no, he's got, a, he's published 130 something different books by a lot of relatively large name people, you know, just one off the top of my head, uh, Canadian defense minister, uh, Paul Hellyer. Okay. 
Like, uh, there's a reason he doesn't have a Wikipedia page because they'd rather not pay attention to it than smear it. If they smear it, then it draws attention to it. So I figured, I mean, so, so what I'm saying is maybe, yeah, maybe there's a cool thing. I just feel like, uh, but then again, like I said, I don't, you know, I'm, I don't have that background. So I'm not around those types of people who would be doing it to begin with. Right. And so, um, you know, I, I guarantee I'm they're just not covering it. Like, they're just not covering it. I mean, we couldn't even get, after, like, months and months of activism, we couldn't even get the fucking school newspaper to cover our group. I'm like, come on, kids. Like, this is journalism. There's a bunch of anti-vaxxers, like, protesting outside the president's office. Like, why don't you go interview them? You know? Like, they were offering to put on masks. We were like, come on. Like, you're writing, they were writing, like, general critiques of, of stuff going on, but, like, they wouldn't actually come engage and cover like a specific protest on their like university territory. So I bet there's people doing stuff. that's just not being covered. Yeah. I mean, I ha- I, I do feel like, like, like something in me says that it's, it's there somewhere, but, but I just don't know how to find it. And I'm hoping that, you know, in the long run, like you said, Andy, that the, what, the, what I'm with the little bit I'm doing virtually somehow circles circles back around and you know uh, and turns into something human on on the ground over here but like i said send, you know send me some of those cards or, or, or you could just send me the print so you don't have to pay for them i can i can print them myself or whatever the the file and uh brandy don't say that don't say that live because brandy says we shouldn't send any of them people can print their own i'm like no we should mail them to people so okay well, i'm gonna i'm gonna edit that part out okay, okay. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, like just cut it out. <laughs> um, my foot in my mouth once before. No. <laughs> but I was curious what you thought about that, Jessica. Like, about in terms of that, it feels like an. I'm, what do you think about what I was saying? Because I do feel like we both have shared a bit more of a common past and the kinds of organizing we might have been involved in. Does what I'm saying make sense to you in terms of like, it feels different? It does. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's different, but the same, there are skills that I feel like I've brought in from previous activism, but I do think this is just, it's so much bigger and it just touches everybody's lives in such a direct way, you know, and such a like tangible, all encompassing way that I do feel that it's different just on a on a human level, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I part of me is like, I feel like uh, all the activism I've done previously has just been like nothing. <laughs> but, mm. Not nothing, but I don't know. It's just really made me rethink my whole politics and my whole approach to advocating for any given value. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. I mean, my goal right now, and I would say this to Jake or anybody who's trying to do is I do think part of it, what we're trying to do right now is survive and stay alive. And I don't just mean live, but stay in the game and not get just dis- too disheartened where you just fall, fall by the wayside and show up for each other so that we can kind of like see when the next opportunity is. Um, and I do think there's something to be done right now around students and young people being forced to be vaccinated in order to go into schools. And I think there's a moment here to maybe find a new layer of people who have questions. And I think 
this when the Omicron booster comes out and they have this whole, I mean, they're already doing the boosters, but I think when they get the new booster built in March um, and they're saying, oh, here we go, we're ready to jab you up with that. And I think there's going to be another opportunity to, to get folks. And it's just about, to me, building relationships and a sense of who, who we are uh, through that. Um, and Jake saw, you know, look, there's, it can be uncomfortable in the meetings sometimes. There's conflicts that start to arise learning how to navigate some of those sorts of things um, and uh, together uh, and not, not just like kicking people out. That's something that's also taxed me mentally has been, you know, not, not in the group in particular, but just me. Like, you know, I've always, since I even, as I started writing the book, like I never wrote it from a right or a left perspective. You know, I mean, I am a spiritual dude. I am a Christian, but I didn't write it from a religious perspective. You know, I, I'd say from a human perspective, like nobody's, you know, no human being is going to want to live in this technocracy. Now, even the people that are like thinking everything's all right, even even them, if, the, if this thing goes all the way to the end of the road, they're going to wake up one day and realize that they don't they didn't want it either. And so, like, you know, I've been on all sorts of different shows, right wing, left wing, Christian, new age you know, socialists, capitalists, you know, people that are Trumpers, people that are not. And I'm all, and I'm constant, you know, I'm always trying to rhetorically get the message across, you know, knowing, knowing the audience I'm talking to, knowing, knowing what would make them immediately shut down, trying to, trying to not compromise my message or my integrity or what I believe, but not, but at the same time, not present it in a way where they don't receive it and shut down and, and, and having to constantly like, okay, who am I talking to today? How am I, okay, what do I have to think about? And then, and then how many different audiences are listening to, right? Like, what are these people going to think? What are, and having to always juggle that, you know, that's, that is mentally exhausting, but I mean, it, it needs to be done. And I, I think I've done a decent job of it. Uh, sometimes I can't stand listening to myself talk on any of these. If I want to check for how did I stammer too much? You know what I mean? It's just like, I feel like I, I should be way more articulate, uh, you know, but, uh, but yeah, that's, that's, that's something, but it's, you know, if we're going to do this, unite the, the left and the right and, and do this, you know, human, a movement for humans, you know, against this anti-human transhuman movement, uh, you know, it's just a skill that has to be cultivated. And I'm hoping that just like a, a good lecture that after I do it enough, I, it becomes less, less, like, less laborious mentally. Like it, it just becomes more uh, intuitive. And um, so I just wanted to put that out there because that is, that is one of the things that I did like, like, especially right now when I'm thinking about this break, I'm going to get is like, that's one of the things I want to break from, right? Is just like be in my own space, my own headspace, you know, kind of be some quiet time with people that are close to me and just totally be, just be totally myself, right? Not have to worry about, you know, what, what, how many different audiences are going to misinterpret what I'm trying to say. This is why people hate English classes who aren't English majors is because it's so damn hard and exhausting, but yeah, I guess it's a, it's a good skill and it's like, it's what I try to teach anyway. So it's like ample, ample content for critical thinking classes and writing classes where I'm like, all right, like know your audience, who are you talking to? 
What's going to convince them? What counter arguments do you need to engage? What parts do you need to leave out? What assumptions can we make for this conversation? So, but it's tiring. Well, you know, it is a great, I mean, like it has, like I said, out of all the things that just happened to work together in this moment for me, I, you know, the English degree, my language arts skills, like has been the, the most powerful tool I've had, you know, and it was one of the things that like, I was always pretty good at, uh, but it was never anything that I was like, this is going to be really important for me later in life. It was just kind of like, I enjoy it. You know, I'm good at it. I like to share it with other people. I didn't think it was going to be like, it was going to be a survival tool and a tool that could like maybe, you know, hopefully change the world in some way. And, uh, you know, when we're talking about basically, uh, you know, a, a psychological war, <laughs> which is the paradigm we're living in, like, it is the primary tool, you know, and so uh, it's just, uh, it is exhausting sometimes. <laughs> well, and research, I mean, I feel like your work, you know, in some sense, it kind of teaches people or models for people how to do research. And that's an incredibly valuable skill in this age in particular. And yeah, I mean, that whole, like, oh, like, you know, you just need to listen to the experts, like, whatever, like on the, you know, on the research databases on uh, in academia, right? It's like, just check the peer review box and forget about everything else, right? Because nothing else measures up to that, that certification or that standard. And it's like, no, take it take it into your own hands. Like people, people can do research. People are smart. Like people, people can understand this stuff. They can. I know yeah. many people who, who, uh, many, many instructors who, when they teach research methods for, you know, your gen ed English 102, which is typically at most, every college I've taught, that's basically your, your research methods version of English rhetoric. And it's always like, I want all your sources to be peer reviewed from the database. And it's like, that's not information literacy. Like my students need to have a book. It used to have to be a print book, so they had to go to the library. They had to have some news articles. They had to have government documents, and they had to have peer-reviewed journals, right? You know, and I and you know, in the in the realm of academia, you know, anything that you could find out, like my website, right, would be not yeah <laughs> not acceptable, right? Incred uncredible, right? <laughs> not a credible source. Right, but that's not information literacy. And if you're trying to teach teach students how to actually be literate in terms of this, uh, deciphering the, the plethora out there, uh, it needs to be all the full range of different sources, regardless of the ethos or the expertise. Uh, so, you know, and the other thing that's funny about it is, you know, to even have a research methods course is to imply that you should be doing some version of your own research except for when it comes to covid right then then you have to then you have to shut up and follow the experts <laughs> but, but when they frame it in the context of research methods is the peer-reviewed journal database they're pretty much already saying that anyways right they're pretty much saying that you know experts is, is research equates to expert appeal right and i know we're, we're sort of getting off topic here but i had i had to say that because that's, that's a pet peeve of mine well, and when you go, like I've I've published multiple peer-reviewed articles, and when once you go through it, it, it demystifies it. You're like, wait a second, this there's nothing special about these pieces. Like, I don't know. I mean, I think that like the upper echelons of like Harvard and Yale elites, it's just kind of like a 
big circle jerk, but you know, for, for most of us in academia, like it's yeah. Okay. A couple people who publish some shit, read your work and give you a few suggestions, but there's nothing like, I don't know. There's nothing spectacularly different about that. It's just like a little workshop. Yeah. I mean, I personally, I, I think the left itself has gotten really sloppy in my, my opinion, in terms of being detail oriented and, and getting citations. What they've done is really relied on like process stuff from New York times and Washington post and mainstream media sources, re- giving it a little bit of a twist in terms of how they assess it in terms of a Marxist framework and things like that. But, but essentially relying on them to give them the data. Um, and, uh, and sometimes even the, the framework around the data. So uh, I think the left has, the revolutionary left that, I, I don't, look, the things that I've read from Lenin that I thought were meaningful and Marx, they, they had to go into libraries and do, and do research on independent data. You know, Lenin did a famous book on, on farming, um, the agricultural, agriculture in Russia that he used to kind of like begin to talk about it and its development to, and looked at real numbers that were taking place in order to talk about the development of capitalism. Um, so, you know, it was, it was, uh, that kind of work. I don't think left does anymore. Actually, I think it's done more like people like you, Jake, and I've seen it more on that kind of libertarian side that people get really detail oriented. And I, I think the left has to do that as well. Um, the other thing I wanted to add though, is cause I understand you're putting both of you are putting it in terms of the English, but I actually think the thing, that both of you bring, and I'm trying to bring now, and I think we're trying to learn how to do it, is not maybe just the the willingness and finding the words of doing it, but the commitment to trying to build a bridge between two sides. Um, I know Jessica, you've talked a lot a lot about it. I'm talking about it more. Like I I thought it was the right idea, but I'm come more committed to it. And Jake, you definitely have always believed in that. And I think us continuing to try to do that, I think, has made a difference. Um, I got, I mean, the, the person who gave the presentation at our last meeting, Workers for Students and Workers and Students for Choice from Sacramento, and she wrote me this in terms of a recent meeting, because she's like more of a lefty liberal, the person who presented there. Um, and she wrote this to me actually just today, or maybe yesterday. She goes, hey, Andy, well, you would be proud of me. Over the weekend, I attended a meeting, which was a Sacramento networking event for anti-mandate groups. It started off with the Pledge of Allegiance and wrapped up with a Republican congressional candidate's pitch for our vote. I didn't run out of the room. <laughs> and she was like, you know, she stuck it out and stayed in there, you know? And like, I do think that's the kind of environment we're gonna have to be working in, like, and willingness to do that. And um, I remember when I, when we went to Sacramento and I first talked with her, it's like, she was like, how am I gonna do this? How am I, how, how am I gonna be in these completely new spaces? Cause it's often been very difficult, you know, but. Like, I think even other people are starting to do it. And I think as long as we try to do it, I think that's what people are going to like appreciate um, because bridging that divide, no matter how you do it, is going to be really important. Yeah, I think, you know, one thing that despite all of the fear and, you know, I feel like I've been really negative in this episode, (laughs) but I do feel that I have developed over the past 18 months, like a real sense of like resolve and just grounding and commitment. And I hear that, you know, in, in both of your voices and, and Kenny and Eduardo and 
all of the people kind of fighting for this, like a kind of just newfound, like really unshakable resolve. And we don't know what the future is going to bring. We don't know how we're going to bumble our way through this, but it doesn't matter. Like if you have that foundation, we'll, we'll figure it out. So I do, I do feel somewhat helpful. You have been a downer this episode, but I think it's a good way to, good way to end it. I'll try to be peppier next week. <laughs> no. <laughs> and, and, uh, Oh, sorry, Eduardo. <laughs> um, Jake, do you have any last thoughts you want to share with us before we? Um, I guess I'll just say that, you know, not only is it what we what you just said, you know, about having that resolve uh, in the middle of this storm uh, and, and finding the connections with other people and being able to, to bridge those gaps. It's, it's not just, not only does it give you endurance and not only is it a true blessing but it's a beautiful thing like it really is like not just to you know not just our relationship you know our deep friendship that we've cultivated uh but just the idea to to connect with somebody that previously you would have never even thought about it right like to to actually see humanity in that person and it doesn't mean you agree about everything but it means that like you respect the person, you value the person, you actually do have some connection. You have more of a connection with that person than people that you had ideological friendships with over however many years that have fizzled out. Um, and in some ways, like that, that this, the cultivation of that life, even in this very dark world that we're in, uh, it's, it's way more fulfilling than being, you know, being in a, in a, in a less precarious situation where, you know, your employment's a little more secure uh, and you've got this, you know, what you think is a clear ideology and you, and, and these, you know, the, the friendships that go along with that, because in some ways you just sort of, you know, it's almost just, it's very routine going through the motions and, 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 and sort of like, trying to fit things into boxes, the predetermined boxes that you, and it's not as authentic. Right. And so, um, I, I mean, it's, it, it is, it is a beautiful thing. And, um, so, so I think that's something to, uh, something else to, to buoy yourself on, uh, as, as, or, you know, and to, to help with that, that endurance. So, uh, just wanted to maybe, maybe say that because 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 all the things I see are the exhausting you know nature of this and and the stress and the and the scariness and all that. Um, man, in some ways I don't I don't know that I'd rather I would have rather been alive at a different time. You know what I mean? And, and if this time was in history, I'm glad that I I get to be here and, and do something positive and, and beautiful. And so. Mm. Wow, that's both of you. Great, thank you. Um, so yeah, thank you, Jessica. Thank you, Jake. Um, I this was a lot of fun actually to do this. Um, all right, that does it. Thank you both, um, Jessica and Jake. Jake of Unlimited Hangout and um, Jessica of Unlimited English Lessons in person uh, <laughs> in in Oregon. <laughs> I'm about unlimited. I'm gonna take a break too. <laughs> That's right. Um, all right. So that does it for this week's episode. What's Left is a weekly political podcast channel challenging the mainstream left. 
We post information about our topics and our guests on the episode notes, wherever you found this episode, or on our blog, what-s-left.webnode.com. You can find past episodes of this podcast channel there and connect with us. Um, I remind you folks, if you like what you heard here, please subscribe, rate, review, turn on your notifications to any of our hate platforms. Our podcasts are Spotify. That's Gizmo. Our podcasts are Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and our channels are BitChute, Odyssey, uh, YouTube, uh, and Telegram. Um, so that's you can find our blog and let's see. That's it. So uh, thank you both. And um, I think I'm hoping we'll, we'll all be back next week. It'll be an interesting episode, I think. And uh, so hopefully others can join us as well. 